0: Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Rob. We're a writing team from New Jersey with a passion for film. An aggressive, all-consuming passion. Well, whenever we see a news article we find, like, insane, uh, immediately it's... How can we make a movie out of this? Every episode we read a crazy article from different sources and tumble down our own rabbit hole. discussing
1: cast, crew, and plot. And then we hash out a pitch for a feature film.
0: So, join us as we BS about movies and ask the important question...
1: What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? What do you got?
0: Little Twix? Yep. The left or the right one? What a marketing genius thing that was. To fucking brand Twix left and right. And be like, I only eat the left Twix. Yeah, (laughs) people love
1: being in tribes. Yeah. The stupidest (laughs) fucking tribes. Uh, Kurt Vonnegut had a word for it, and it's (laughs) phenomenal. He, he, uh... He hated the notion of people associating themselves based on things that had absolutely nothing to do with their personality or character. Yeah. We're all from Indiana. We're just a bunch of Hoosiers. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And he called them a, a grand faloon.
0: A grand faloon. That is perfect because it's those type of people that, like, they find one thing and that is their personality. Yeah. Like, Like, they are obsessed with, for example, you're wearing a a Monsters University uh, hat. They're obsessed with Pixar. That's their whole personality. That's all they talk about. That's all they do. It's all they decorate. Every holiday is Pixar-themed. Like, that is their (laughs) entire personality. I've decided this is who I am now. Yep. (laughs) Meg. (laughs) She was a guest star two episodes ago. (laughs) Mega Roho cosplay on instagram twitter um we're here we're good we're we're, going we've been rolling this is in the show oh i love the twix opener i think that's a great (laughs) i think that's a great idea um everybody welcome this is episode 32 robin i would like to take a quick minute just to say just just to say thank you very much to all of our fans um we actually hit which is a milestone for us. It's probably a small milestone for many people, uh, but we hit a thousand downloads for our podcast.
1: Yeah, and that's just on uh, Podbean, the site we yeah. we host the file. So, on, so that I guess that doesn't include you know iTunes and Spotify and stuff like Google that. Google so and all cool. that. Yeah. So that
0: that was a that was an awesome little email that. Uh, Rob saw and screenshotted to me the other day, and I was like, "Oh wow! All right, didn't expect that." Uh, so <laughs> thank you all for listening. We hope you guys in, enjoy the podcast and continue to do so. Um, this week, the article is brought to you by Mister Rob Dickerson, and he will kick us off.
1: Brought to you by. Uh, fuck! I couldn't even come up with a fake company. Every such a every
0: episode we should do of fa- Torsa Torsa, <laughs> Torsa Cars. Only sold from 1919 to 1921.
1: Yeah. Spishak, that fake one they always had on uh, a <laughs> uh, Mad TV or so, uh, Slusho. <laughs> oh, Slusho—that's uh, that's the JJ Abrams yep. thing, right? Yeah.
0: Oh, the marketing brand for
1: that. With uh, cl-
0: speaking of marketing,
1: uh, with Cloverfield, dude. Yeah. Alternate reality games. Yeah, so I love cool. that. So uh, this is uh, an article coming to you from theprimarymarket.com, which is a very good name uh, about the last cosmonauts the last soviet uh really it's a fascinating story of a man named sergey krikalev who was in space at the russian space station mir when the soviet union began to break up and then collapsed entirely um i don't imagine it's um a lot of fun to be trapped in space when your country ceases to exist and thus technically cannot bring you home. Uh, this, is, this is a short enough article where uh, we, can, we can read uh, a bunch of it. Yeah, go for it. Um, and I'll just I'll skip certain paragraphs. In May of 1990, uh, Rob Dickerson would soon be born. Uh, Sergei Kriklev departed on a trip into space funded by the Soviet Space Agency. He was leaving the Earth behind for five months to live aboard the Mir space station that had orbited hundreds of miles above the Earth. Uh, little did he know that only a few months into the mission, events on Earth would have huge repercussions up on the space station. He now called home, and there's uh, a bit of background uh, about him uh, that we'll skip. But just know that he was a very competent engineer and cosmonaut. I love the word cosmonaut.
0: For a long time, he had a he had a long-standing history yeah. as a cosmonaut with the with their space initiative program. What, what was it? Did they have a name? Was it just? Like NASA. Is... Oh
1: yeah, that's that's right at the top of the article. There's was uh, just the, just the, the Soviet space agency. Oh, okay, S S A. Then I'm sure it's entirely different uh, abbreviation in in, in, Russian. S- in Russian. yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he was the he was the onboard engineer, which is an important part of it. Generally, they're they're the longest, doing maintenance and making sure the thing runs, uh, and they're very hard to replace. Which uh, which. <laughs> Really became quite a difficulty for him. (laughs) Uh, Just to let you know what it was like up there for him and Mir. It's not like what we see from the International Space Station, which is the most expensive thing ever made. Yeah. Uh, Quote, Mir has a well earned reputation as a smelly, noisy place. It was no bigger than a few RVs stacked end-to-end. Its stank of sweat due to the lack of fresh air and filtration system and the noise constantly from the pipe and the electrical system was never-ending the magazine states, the constant racket from fans and pumps and other machinery was enough to cause hearing loss. Yeah. I mean, it, you, had, you also
0: have to think about this. This is the early 90s. So, like, mm-hmm. they were just, like, form over function, you yeah. know? It's just, let's just put this thing together and get people up there.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Mir, Mir was a hunk of junk that they put in space just to to be the first uh, to get a station up there. I think we had, a, we had one called Space Lab, which was just kind of like a tube. I didn't know that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> It wasn't very good. <laughs> it wasn't very good at all. Um, and there was much rejoicing. He was up there with a crew of three other people, uh, running experiments and whatnot uh, up there. They all went back down. He stayed up, waiting for the next crew to come back up. You know, the, the engineers are there long-term. Other ones kind of cycle out quickly. Think of Matt Damon in The Martian. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with only one other companion, Krikalev was basically alone in space. News, came from Earth news from Earth was rare and hard to come by, but... After a few months, he began to receive unsettling information. The date was August 19th, 1991, and times were changing in the Soviet Union, where Krikalev was from. Communist leaders of the Soviet Union had stormed Red Square in Moscow as a protest against Mikhail Gorbachev, the Soviet leader. Displeased with his reforms, the hardliners, led by Boris Yeltsin, uh, and a pop-up ad has taken over my, <laughs> 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 <Stayed> <laughs> over my screen, I apologize. Quick, the sponsor! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, it moved me, too. Uh, (laughs) It said, displeased with his reforms, the hardliners led by Boris Yeltsin had decided to take action. The planet below watched as one of the world's superpowers began to fall apart. But, of course, this had a very different meaning for Krikalev, who uh, watched from above, wondering what this would mean for his mission and his life. Now, the most important thing to know about this is as the Soviet Union uh, broke up, all these different countries broke off from it and became independent, the... Soviet uh, space program was based out of the Baikonur Cosmodrome, which is in Kazakhstan. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's now your only way up and down is in a country that you're no longer from and doesn't really have diplomatic relations with the remaining Soviet Union.
0: I I think it's also a big point uh, that people, especially our age, you know, we were, we were born in 1990, so we were babies. Uh, But people our age need to realize just how absolutely huge the ussr was Yep. Yeah. and the soviet power and and the fall of the soviet union in the early 90s was that's that's a huge thing this wasn't yeah. like oh well it's now russia
1: from, good day from <laughs> deep into eastern europe to the pacific ocean yeah just an unbounded stretch of of one nation uh it, it's absurd there's so many countries that spun off from it yeah uh, due to the revolution, Krieglev was told by space officials in Kazakhstan that the money had dried up. At that point, they did not have the money to get him back to Earth. This is the part that
0: gives me so much anxiety throughout yeah. this article.
1: So he waited <clears throat> and waited, and the months passed by above the space station, and mission control continued to give the same update. Stay where you are. But Krieglev knew that the time was running out, and he began to worry that he wouldn't make it out of this mission alive. Uh, let's, let's see. This is about his first mission. So this, this is an important part of, of, of the psychology of this. Um, he did manage to communicate with his wife a few times from the space station. Uh, their conversations were decidedly less romantic this time around, uh, as both were worried. Uh, it was only natural that the cosmonaut would worry about his wife, whom he had unintentionally left alone with their now nine-month-old child for far longer than expected. He was making only a meager state-determined salary, which translated to a few dollars a month. Uh, with the new inflation, uh, which was skyrocketing, he worried not just about his survival, but the survival of his wife and his daughter back on Earth. Uh, as ever more depressing news continued to filter into the station, the cosmonaut became stressed with each update, began to feel as if the end date for his mission was receding further and further into uh, from his grasp. This
0: this is the part that, that baffles me because I, I never am good at understanding inflation. And I know the 90s is when inflation started to really skyrocket. Mm-hmm. I, and I I didn't do the calculations. Do you know what like a couple mo- dollars is? it A couple dollars a month? It said.
1: Mm-hmm. Like what does that in translate terms of, in terms to, of the the buying power of what he had? Like what does
0: that translate to into whatever currency USSR was using at the, the time? Rubles at the time. It was time. rubles,
1: right? Yeah. Uh it was probably a few hundred, but it's in terms of inflation, you know, that had the buying power of me walking over there with what I have in my pocket now. Yeah. Um, uh, inflation is. Bizarre, like I remember reading that um, in Germany during the interwar years, inflation got so bad that like a billion Deutschmarks wouldn't buy you a loaf of bread. Wow! Like the the money had no value. Jesus. Um, So uh, some places are 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 like that with value, but it's still a valuable currency, like Japanese yen. Like you go to the supermarket and say, "This is eight hundred yen." Like what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's like eight bucks.
0: It's in Seinfeld when. uh, when Kramer's buying his Japanese friends the hats, he's like, how much would this cost you in Japan? Uh, about 20,000 yen. He's like, oh, they're practically free here. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, so the whole time the Kriklova was stranded in space, well, he was never exactly stranded. You see, there was a way out which he could have used all along, but he consciously chose not to. The Mir space station featured a Raduga reentry capsule. It was programmed to safely make the journey from the space station back to Earth. It was basically a life raft. Uh, Kriklev and Commander... Oh, boy, this is going to suck. Commander Art (laughs) Oh, Russia. ...had discussed using the capsule and quickly dismissed the idea. Having been trained for many years about the intricacies of the space station, they knew that leaving would leave the Mir unmanned, Um, which essentially would probably deorbit, and you don't really know where it would land uncontrolled. And also, it's a valuable piece of equipment. One of the most at the time. Yeah, I mean space station. Yeah. We take this for granted now because everybody's always at the ISS. But... It's like being in a
0: Lamborghini in traffic and just deciding, eh, I'll just leave it here and <laughs> walking away.
1: <laughs> uh, this part made me sad. Creek Club was finally given the news that a new crew was being sent up to the Mir space station after months of uncertainty. He had only one request from the crew at the time. He desperately missed the taste of honey and he wanted the crew to bring some into space. Alas, when the crew members arrived in October, all they had was lemons and horseradish. I
0: don't understand. Uh, I will. I will. Spoiler alert. I based my entire premise of
1: my movie off of that one moment. <laughs> it's a satisfying thing. He asked for one. He just thing. needed honey. He just wanted honey. The man has been floating <laughs> for months. His muscles are atrophying. His bones literally, aren't literally as hard. Literally floating. He's in zero gravity yeah. for this entire time. Uh, again, here's another sad thing. Uh, they brought the necessary supplies and equipment to keep Krikalev's mission alive, but none of the crew had the necessary skills to take over for him. <laughs> uh, like, there were not engineers available to do this. The crew stayed for only a few days. this That's fucking just the saddest <laughs> shit. Leaving one member behind to keep him company. He's, he still had absolutely no idea when he would be allowed to go home. Uh, just uh, imagine being alone with your thoughts like that, like, there's one other guy, but he's got stuff to do too. Yeah, like your entire day is planned when you're when you're. Imagine on the space if they station. don't get along.
0: Yeah, like they really butt heads the whole time
1: because
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> the new guy's complaining the whole time. And he's like, "Bitch, I've been here for nine months." <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, so after more than seven months stuck in space, now this has all been just kind of him in limbo. Krikalev heard the news that would forever change his life and the lives of hundreds of millions of people. Soviet Union completely dissolved by the 26th of December 1991, effectively ending the Cold War. The home that Krikalev had left in May 1991 would never be the same again, and he had no idea what this meant for his space mission. Despite the uncertainty of the politics on the Earth below, he continued to trust Mission Control completely, who continued to report to him that the funds were not there to get him back to Earth. He remained patient. I don't know how. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, the last of the Soviets. Jesus. Yep. Uh, floating out in space, his uniform now bore a flag that didn't represent any country, and he was carrying out a mission for a government that no longer existed. Uh, That's the- so mind-boggling. <laughs> like when he returned, they talk
0: about it in the article when he returned. It's like you mm-hmm. know, he goes back to Leningrad, and he's like, "Oh, Leningrad!" They're like, no, no,
1: no, St. Petersburg. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh the new government uh tried uh unsuccessfully to sell seats on the space station to tourists to raise the funds needed to bring him home uh you know to send up a full mission with a full complement to be able to swap him out uh and also to train another engineer there simply was not someone who could do what he did uh it's now in march 1992. Uh, three months after the USR, USSR fell, he'd been there for 10 months.
0: Yeah, I believe the,
1: the the country initially fell on December 26th of
0: 1990, so the day after Christmas is like the official yeah. ending. 91, 91
1: yeah. sorry. Um, so he's now reached double the amount of time he was scheduled to be there for. His body is getting weaker, he's becoming increasingly aware of the many negative side effects of living in zero gravity for so long. You know, we recently wrapped up that experiment with a set of twins, one who remained on Earth and one who was in space. And like, yeah, he's shorter. He's an (laughs) inch shorter now. (laughs) Your body is designed to be here. Yeah. Space sucks.
0: (laughs) Um, It is the only place, minus Australia, where everything is trying to kill you at once.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So things uh, finally began to stabilize politically uh, as the new governments formed and actually collected... Taxes (laughs) were able to pay for anything, and the economy stabilized. Mission Control radioed the space station to give him the fantastic news. They'd found a replacement for him, and he was told to prepare to return to Earth, but one that was very different from the one he'd left. After more than 10 months, Krikalev landed back on Earth on March 25, 1992. Uh, The joyous event was shocked by his, uh, I'm sorry, marred by his weakened appearance, which shocked many. In the presence of the now obsolete red flag emblazoned on his arm, which marked him as the last citizen of the USSR, nonetheless he was dubbed a hero. He was pale and sweaty like a lump of wet dough.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> such an interesting analogy. Yeah, a there's a picture of him and he looks like shit. <clears throat> he yeah. looks like absolutely. You shit. can see cuz there's a, if you look at the article when you read through it, there's a lot of photos in this article,
1: a lot of really great photos, but mm-hmm. you can kind of see the deterioration yep. of his muscles cuz when we did this recently, it's on, you know, the gold standard for space exploration, the, a- the ISS. He was in he was in a subway car in space. Yeah. It was cold <laughs> all the time. The exercise equipment was shit. It's like what your grandpa <laughs> has in his basement. <laughs> um, is this
0: an is this a gym or some type of exercise museum?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it took four people to help him stand up and carry him out of the capsule. Uh, his muscles uh, were simply not equipped anymore to just stand up on his own. Uh, <laughs> of course, let's compound this. When his capsule landed, it was snowing. Compared to the hot, cramped space he just stepped out from, this was a dramatic sw- uh, shift. He was swiftly placed on a stretcher to get him inside, wrapped in a fur blanket, fed hot broth while having his face fanned in an attempt to help him regulate his body temperature. His body was not able to determine what temperature it should be so he was <clears throat> shivering and sweating at the same time. Yeah,
0: Sounds like the worst cold in the world.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy's such a fucking champ. He's like, uh, He told reporters that his return home was very pleasant in spite of the gravity I had to face, but psychologically the load was lifted, there was a moment, uh, you couldn't call it euphoria, but it was very good. That is the most Russian thing I've ever heard. (laughs) I wouldn't call it euphoria, but it was very good. (laughs) (laughs) Remember, this is the same country where it's not really
0: okay to smile in public. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: Upon landing back on Earth, Sergei Krikalev had officially orbited the planet more than 5,000 times. I
0: love this this piece of trivia.
1: Over the 300 or so days he had spent in space, he had seen over 5,000 sunrises and sunsets. When the world below him had changed, but the world below him had changed dramatically. When he landed, it was in a place called Arkalik, in a part of a brand-new independent Republic of Kazakhstan, a country that hadn't existed when he last stood on solid ground. He was observed for a time to ensure his health, then he was allowed to return home. The home city he had left 10 months before had been called Leningrad. After a name change, he was now going home to the newly named St. Petersburg. His salary had not changed while he'd been away. While it had previously been enough to cover for his family, inflation now meant he earned less than the the driver of a local school bus. Jesus. Um, Of course, uh, he had become a legend. Uh, Here's a nice photo of him staring blankly. (laughs) Poor guy. Uh, He preferred not to comment on the political change, saying, "Oh, the change is not that radical." Uh, He focused instead on the visual changes he got to see from space. Yep, winter has come, and before it was summer. Now it's beginning to bloom again. Winter is coming. That's the yay. That's (laughs) the most impressive change you can see from space. Uh, It was a very, very slow recovery for him. Uh, especially at the time when we had not ever planned to have someone in space that long, um, e- when you're in space, you have to do exercises every day because your muscles are always yeah. depleting because there's nothing tensing against them. A
0: lot of it is like bicycle work, a lot of cardio.
1: Yeah, yeah, just they have to move. It's like yeah. people are in comas, and the nurses just kind of pump their legs, yeah, just yeah. Like- You know, because you don't want to wake up. Like you
0: you said, your muscles atrophy. So, Mm -hmm. like, it's the same as, like, you said, in a coma and stuff when people get bed
1: sores and things from no movement. Mm hmm. Um, so here's where you find out this man had the hugest brass balls. Um, (laughs) So he became the hero uh, of Russia. Over the rest of his distinguished career, Sergei completed six more space missions. He went back. He was part of the very first long-stay mission aboard the ISS in 2000, as well as the 11th ISS mission in 2005. Stop going to space. I
0: I have a feeling, cosmonauts, astronauts and stuff, I feel like it's an addictive thing. To go back up, it must be for all these people to do this for how dangerous it is it's got to be addictive to be up there. Hmm. I can't see it not being, you know oh, I'm sure
1: it's there's it a short list of people who've ever gotten to do what you do. yeah, it's completely different from any entire existence yeah,
0: anything yep. else yep.
1: They were all, all flyboys and jockeys when we first started, and I can't imagine it's much different now. Yeah. They're just more specialized. <laughs> uh, so, Sergey received medals from both the Russian Federation and NASA uh, for his work in space. And finally, in 2014, the Winter Olympics, which were held in Sochi, Russia, uh, Sergei Krikalev was chosen to raise the Russian flag during the opening ceremony. It's a tremendous honor. Over the course of his long and successful space career, He spent 803 days, 9 hours, and 39 minutes in space. Despite the anxiety of some of those minutes, Sergei Krikalev doesn't regret regret a single one. (laughs) Um... So I admire the shit out of this man, and as soon as this like popped up when I was stumbling through the internet, I sent it yeah, to Nick because I, I
0: still can't wrap my head around the whole thing where he was up there for 300 days but saw 5,000 sunrises and sunsets. Mm. I get it, I get it from a logistical scientific standpoint, mm-hmm. but I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it feels like time travel to me. <laughs> it's Ugh. insane. Um, so with that being said, let's get down to brass tacks here, mm-hmm. Rob.
1: What do you got? So um I'm a big fan of movies like The Martian obviously that, uh, that occurred to me um that's it's that's a bit more of a desperate situation though this one was you know anxiety and uncertainty um where you're like yeah I'm I'm, I'm probably going home <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just very weird they call and, every week
0: hang on we'll get you home soon oh okay no problem
1: yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's always got that like you know. Hey, I was scheduled to work uh, eight hours today, <laughs> and and someone's supposed to come in and take the next shift, and I'm I'm still alone here in the store. We're at hour ten. <laughs> uh, what do you mean? <laughs> we'll,
0: <laughs> we'll we'll get you someone soon. Just hang tight. <laughs>
1: Okay, um, I'm the only one here. Okay, hour 22 now. Uh, I haven't bathed. <laughs> yeah. I'm very I can't leave. People keep coming in. And I know if I leave, they're going to steal things. <laughs>
0: That's a movie right there. A retail employee just stuck in a store. <laughs>
1: um, so uh, I started uh, toying with the idea of a movie um, that, of course, really will only have one character in it, okay. which is uh, very difficult. Um, I like character studies like that, um, so I decided to go with Steven Soderbergh as director. That's
0: how went with the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: because I don't know why that movie he did, The Informant with Matt Damon, kept going through my head. I've
0: never seen it. And I've always wanted to.
1: Um, and Of course, it's a movie with a large cast, but it's, it's so hyper-focused on this guy and what's going on in his head. Yeah. A lot of voiceover. But uh, it, it's, it's an extremely lonely film, despite the fact that there are always other people interacting with right. him in scenes. Um, I don't want to use known actors okay. in this. I do want to have authentic Russian-speaking uh, performers okay. in this. I th- probably do it in English, so there's a few people that, that come up where I'm like, "Ah, he's not like famous famous. Like we watched this uh, movie called Black Sea with Jude Law. Mm. There was an excellent uh Russian performer with a beautiful beard." <laughs> yeah, that's a, that was
0: a sleeper hit
1: that movie. That yeah. was really good. Uh I fr- <laughs> I forgot to write down his name, but uh, he he occurred to me. I'll I'll try and look it up as we go along. But um yeah, uh, my movie uh is called The Best Selling Show, Ooh. uh which is a line from David Bowie's Life on Mars. Nice. And aside from one part in the movie where uh, a supply crew does come up, um, Konstantin Kavinsky, okay. Uh, Aside from one part in the movie where a supply crew does come up, uh, I want it to just be this actor, um, alone in space, um, communicating over the radio, Intermittently, like not a lot, because mm-hmm. uh, I don't think people were showing up to work very often as the <laughs> Soviet Union was shaking apart. Yeah, uh, so like every now and again, in the space people be like, "Hey, okay, we got your new calculations." <laughs> oh, thank God! <laughs> I've been talking into the microphone <laughs> for two days. <laughs> yes. um, so I, w- I want to do that exploration of loneliness um, as as we begin the movie with him. Uh, Making a, a scheduled communique for the day and getting no response and spending the rest of the day being like, is my radio broken? Why is no one getting in touch with me? Uh, and that being the first surge of anxiety in the film, like, I'm supposed to be in constant contact with mission control. Right. And no one's talking to me. And it's because that's the day um, where the huge events happened in Red Square where the, the hardline communists were going up against the reformers. And we first saw, like, ooh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen, isn't it? It's going to happen. Um, And from the rest of the movie, you know, he has work to do. So we're going to see him, you know, fixing the station and running power lines and doing whatever busy work experiment they give him to do. I, I can almost imagine them on Earth being like, "All right, we gotta come up with some shit yeah. for him to do today." Just busy work, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's, he he does repairs, but like he's you know he's awake for twelve hours. We gotta give him stuff. to they do. They start
0: fucking with him by like turning a system off from Mission Control. Be like, "Oh, hey, the system's not running. Can you fix yeah. that?" <laughs> yep.
1: yep. <laughs> it's, it's, it's. And uh, I I want him to be a music fan, um, so they'll have certain artists he listens to. Uh, I was thinking about him sort of like secretly being a huge fan of Western rock music and like, you know, Bowie and Pink Floyd and stuff like that, or other artists that might have shown up at like the fall of the Berlin Wall. Mm. Uh, So he's got a few tapes up there and uh, (laughs) those, that's all he's got. And he kind of wears those out over the course of the movie and we're getting tired of hearing them too. (laughs) But um, yeah, I want him to go through all these different stages and he only gets to talk to his wife twice, so those are those are the very big emotional scenes in the movie. Mm. Um, as he he wants to hear as much as he can about how his baby is doing, and as you would, but there's really only so much time in the day for this stuff. And those are the moments in the movie that are like a life raft as he's floating in the ocean. Yeah, um, and I want to be shot that way too, in a very sort of tight focus, and everything gets softer. When right, right, gets right. To
0: uh it'd be it'd be interesting if you kind of go the route of 12 angry men where you bring in the focal length of the lens throughout the film it just gets tighter and tighter so it's closing in on
1: him Ooh, that's a really good idea yeah that's a great idea um and so at some point they do tell him and we're gonna play with it here it's not gonna be exactly uh they do tell him uh we're sending a crew up uh we got some funds together and a crew is coming up um and now he's thinking he's going home Uh, But they're just coming up with supplies because it's a pilot and, like, two specialists and no one else knows how to maintain the station. They just came to bring food. So he's super fucking excited when they get there. And he's excited to have people around. And now the energy has changed. Now the aspect ratio is fucking blown up. (laughs) And uh, he's he's partying and they're the ones uh, that have to break the news to him that he's not going home. He's staying, yeah. Like, they didn't tell you. Like, now now the fucking cosmonauts feel bad because they didn't know he didn't know. Yeah. He Uh, thought
0: that he was going home with them, and they're like, no, mm -hmm. man, we don't have space for you, bro. Mm
1: And I just, like, we're we're cutting to him just now. He's on the exercise bike, and he hasn't gotten off for, like, two hours. Um, And then I guess finally I wanted to end with him, you know, being told that the the funds have been raised uh, for him to come home. And he gets in the in the capsule to go back down to Earth as as another crew is going to come up, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we sort of go in through the outer capsule window, and we zoom in, and we zoom in t- into the flag uh, on his chest, which is the USSR flag, as, as as he makes reentry, and that's the movie.
0: All right, all right, I just see kind of what this, you did there. It's, it's
1: it's got this castaway vibe of just like all, all he has is is music and and busy work and just the occasional (laughs) beacon of sunlight in the storm that is getting to talk on the radio with someone. Yeah. Uh, But it's not even the same person all the time. Okay. Interesting. So, Nick, what do you got? All right.
0: So... As I thought about this movie, I remember from the last episode and previous episodes prior, uh, we've discussed the idea of trying to get away from the article, Mm -hmm. of trying to use it as a stepping off point. And I really wanted to do that, especially after last episode where I basically just reiterated the article as a film. Mm -hmm. Um, Two episodes of The Twilight Zone came to mind while I was reading this article, Mm -hmm. the first one being The Lonely where the man is a criminal who is sentenced to stay on an asteroid um, throughout his uh, prison sentence, Mm -hmm. and they bring him items and – end up bringing him like a a robot person and stuff, but just someone who's kind of stranded out there. The second one that came to mind was third from the sun where the twist is that these people are trying to leave their planet because it's being destroyed. Mm -hmm. And it turns out they're actually going to earth as opposed to leaving earth to another planet. Uh, Uh, So they're aliens from another planet. I had a lot of ideas around this and I thought of different ways that I can make this a film that is not the exact representation of the article because, uh, What what your idea is and what this article is and forgive me this is gonna sound like an insult but it is not it has been done Mm -hmm. you know it's been done many times it's been done with The Martian it's been done with Moon with Sam Rockwell Mm -hmm. Um, I also very much love the idea of isolated films I'm a huge fan of All Is Lost with Robert Redford a huge fan of Buried with Ryan Reynolds those type of movies bottle movies that take place in one position Um, so I had a couple different ideas of where I wanted to take this. And the, uh, I'm going to run through the ideas that I had before the one I came up with. Mm-hmm. The first one I had was that it was an idea about a Civil War soldier who returns after the North has won. So it was going to be like a different story where returns like it's- Returns from where? So like some <laughs> somewhere, like maybe the mountains or Chahili? something. Yeah. <laughs> returns from the mountains or something and finds out that the North has won mm-hmm. and he's a, he's a Southern Confederate soldier and he has to live with the changes in life. Uh, but as I thought about that, I was like, mm, I don't kind of want to make- the confederacy heroism. Yeah. So I don't want to do that. kind of the movie Cold Mountain. Yeah. Oh, I completely forgot about that movie. I haven't seen that in years. Uh, The second idea I had was a sailor stuck at sea during a war. Mm -hmm. The other idea I had was an astronaut who returns after a natural disaster destroys his city. Um, So I was going to go something like that, but I was like, "Mm, Roland Emmerich can do that. I'll leave that to him. Um, So the idea that I came up with is actually about a scientist who is studying... A new plant that is uh, in remote Antarctica, and he's all by himself, and he and a bunch of other scientists have discovered this plant, and he's there to kind of research it and study it and see what's going on as the plant begins to pop up around the globe. Hmm. But the problem is that this plant is actually extremely toxic and dangerous, if not in the right environment. Okay. So in Antarctica, this plant poses no threats whatsoever. But in northern countries and stuff where it's a little bit more a uh, little bit more wet or you know mm. hot or anything like that, the plant poses a threat of either toxicity mm-hmm. or maybe uh, it releases some type of pheromone into the sky. I kind of wanted to stay away from that because I didn't want it to be the happening. The plants are killing people. Oh my God. <laughs> um, and I toyed with the idea of it being kind of an alien species as well. Uh, of course. in tune Always with, Antarctica. In tune with uh, The Thing, obviously, yeah. as well as one of our favorites. Well, The Thing is also a favorite. But as well as one of our other favorites that we watched together, Arrival, mm-hmm. um, where there's kind of this something going on that we don't truly understand. So I've asked way more questions than I've answered. Yeah. Well, my premise is basically a scientist is sent to a remote area in Antarctica to study this plant. Uh, the plant then begins to pop up all over the planet, but in warmer areas. Um, the idea I came up
1: with was that it depletes oxygen or something and it yeah. endangers life. Um, we, we might have to change the MacGuffin because there's only two species of plants in Antarctica. Like Plants don't really grow anywhere but the coastline.
0: Correct. That's why I think it's going to be an alien thing.
1: Yeah. Um. So, like, there's a grass and a moss. Yeah. The
0: the the <laughs> premise basically, and that's again, that's one of the reasons that he's down there to study it, because yeah. suddenly a plant has popped up in Antarctica,
1: just like in the like in the tundra, like out there in the frozen desert. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um. It would be weird as shit. Yeah. And I'd, that's, I'd probably burn it. <laughs> and that's
0: basically the premise is that he's stuck in Antarctica and he can't return because basically everyone is dying where mm-hmm. he's from. Um. And, you know, I have a bunch of questions about, like, look, is it aliens? Why can't they destroy the plant? Why can't they just burn it or something? So he's
1: accidentally, like, in a safe room. Yes, exactly. But it's Antarctica. Yes.
0: (laughs) Um, So he is still in danger. But it is basically about him actually not being able to leave for his safety Mm -hmm. as opposed to he can't come back for other reasons. Mm -hmm. Uh, So my director of choice is David O. Russell. Uh, And my cast uh, consists of two people, Uh, Riz Ahmed as my scientist and then Amelia Clark as his wife, who we or No, I'm sorry. Not his wife. A woman he starts speaking to over the radio. Mm. Uh, We glossed over this in the article, but in the article, he's speaking to a woman over the radio while on the space station. And she ends up they end up falling in love and he she becomes his his wife. Um, So that's that's kind of the two characters in my movie. Um, I was looking for a way to make this about possibly the nectar or something, which is why the idea of the honey came to be a big proponent for me. Oh,
1: I was, I was wondering when you were going yeah. to get that. <laughs> uh, so
0: the idea was that possibly the nectar or something, or it could just very well be the idea that there's something from his previous life that he truly misses. Mm-hmm. So the name of my movie is The Taste of Honey. Um and, and that's basically what I have, but it's- People again, are going to
1: walk into a very different movie than this. <laughs> <was>. <laughs>
0: and again, that's that's what I'm looking for because I wanted to make it different from the article. Mm. But as I said, I've asked way more questions than I've yeah. answered, so I need your help answering these yeah. questions.
1: I th- This is the first time since we had that dis- discussion about trying to pivot on things that I very intentionally didn't want to change a lot. Hmm. Okay. Because um, I sat here thinking about, like, oh, I could do something like the movie Life or, you know, stuff this is like that. There's another one I forgot to mention. Yeah. yeah. Um, God, I just – I honestly really enjoyed the story of this guy. Yeah. And I just kept picturing movies like The Terminal and stuff like that. Yeah. Where, which Stuck is a, a similar someplace. premise. But, you know, you mentioned it's been done before, but I, I want fewer things to play off. this guy i keep i keep going back to like what it's like day after day in either of these situations and it's it's absolutely bizarre to me to have no social contact most of the time Uh, and
0: that can be done through either of these films mm. um because either area is both fully isolated yeah um (laughs) But, yeah, that was just the reason I wanted to stay away from the space aspect because it felt to me like it's been done so many times, which is interesting because this is a true story. Can we, come
1: with, can we come up with a third place? Because Antarctica has been mined a bit as well. True. And we will come perilously close to just riffing on the thing because it's hard not to riff on the thing. Yeah. So if he's not in space when something happens that he can't come home, and he's not, you know, in Antarctica on a, a base, a research base.
0: What is the what name? What kind of place
1: could he be? What is
0: the name of that mountain region that is, there's no humans on it because it is, um it, the, the the rock formation is so strange. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's a, there's a mountain region somewhere out in the Middle East, I think. Mm. Um, there's also, I watched a, a YouTube video about like the 10- Craziest like uh, mm-hmm. quote unquote undiscovered places on Earth where like people are not uh, allowed to go, basically due to either danger or they just physically can't get to it. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one of them. The other was there's this rainforest that's actually on a mountain. Oh shit! In like in um in Africa or something like Sounds that. Like Marvel comics. <laughs> but yeah, it's literally like it's on a gigantic mountain and it's a rainforest on top of it. That's almost impossible to get to. So we can do something isolated like that. Where do you no know, people. Do
1: you know what might be a good idea to, t- to take things in a slightly more fantastic direction? Mm. Is, you know, he, we, we talked about Sergei seeing sunrises and sunsets and hearing about what was happening below, mm-hmm. um, but not really seeing a change in the earth. What if we do a movie about a guy who's on an observation platform, and it is an atmospheric observation platform?
0: Like above the, the earth?
1: Um, it's yeah it's not in space yeah he, he's, he's basically on this kind of like weather uh, weather research station that is floating. Um, okay. kind of like, like a permanent like weather balloon type structure and he can actually look down with his with a telescope or with binoculars or something. Yeah. Probably, probably not binoculars, probably a telescope and see things that are happening. Hmm. but he can't get down because his country has gone to war and it's restricted airspace. As the country is shaking itself apart in Civil War, and they can't send up a plane, probably higher than a helicopter can get, so they can't send up a plane to get him. So now we've added an element where he can actually see things that are happening below, but is utterly and completely unable to influence them and is detached from them. Hmm.
0: I mean, I'm, I'm down with that. By the way, the, t- the two areas that I was thinking of uh, is, I'm going to butcher this name, uh, Tsingi de Bamara uh, National Park in Madagascar, which is basically like, th- it looks like an alien rock formation. Like, this is literally... Oh, my God. Like, you can't go there because it's too impossible to climb or go to. It looks sharp. Yeah, it's incredibly <laughs> sharp. Yeah. Uh, and the other one was Mount Mabu Rainforest in Mozambique, Africa. Mm-hmm. This one is ridiculous just because of... It's literally I'm showing Rob a video real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a it's a rainforest on top of a mountain. That's it's sick. ridiculous. Yeah, I don't want to um, go to there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I like that idea. It's kind of an atmospheric thing. So sort of like a space station
1: kind of floating Yeah, just very it,
0: visible to the naked eye because it's not that far away.
1: Yeah, it's more like the this more tantalizing notion of like complete isolation. But it's right there. I it's think that, so much closer. I
0: think that's where it actually also works better because it is so close. Why can't we can't reach that guy? Why yeah. can't we reach him? He's right there. And from his point of view, it's the same thing. I can see the ground. It's not yeah. it's not quote unquote, that far. Yeah. So why
1: can't I just? If I go use home? the observation equipment, like I can, I can sort of see my wife. Yeah, <laughs> like, she's yeah, yeah, right yeah, there. She's very small. <laughs> it's not a very powerful telescope because I'm up here to do
0: wind readings. And I can see her. <laughs> no, I like that. I think we can work with that a lot. Um,
1: so why is he being stuck? I, I I think if we're gonna riff on the fall of the Soviet Union, it's probably like a like Are a we? civil war. Like there's a civil war in his country, and okay. it's completely restricted airspace, and they can't get. An aircraft up to him. Ooh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, hey, there's there's no there's no civilian flights happening. So Do we put can...
0: this in the future a little bit, just so that it's not something that's happened in history? Yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: Well, yeah, a little bit further than the like, future, like
0: 2050 or something. Nothing crazy. Yeah,
1: it just like yeah, it's it's a good idea. Yeah, it's, it's a high altitude. Uh, weather observation and experimentation platform. Yep, it's pretty basic stuff. It's like any turbines,
0: wind balloons, yeah, Farsi
1: outposts we have, any Antarctic outposts we have. Same thing, except we're doing stuff uh, right in the atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. He's you know, studying normally- atmospheric changes yep.
0: and weather and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so and, like he does have to wear kind of an almost pressurized suit sometimes when he goes outside of the of the habitat. On that,
0: how do we get him there? What's the actual science behind that? Because like, it can't just be a plane unless he drops. Into the like, if he jumps out of the plane mm-hmm. with a parachute, that's the only way I can think of him getting there. Yeah, helicopter can't go that high. Maybe in 2050 they can.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to figure out a way like that. That he can't parachute. Yeah, uh, I guess it would have to be high orbit enough where you can't just sort of jump off and parachute. Yeah, like, you know, if you have a halo jump, or it could be an air balloon. Yeah, could do an air balloon that gets him up there. Mm-hmm. Um, something and- like that. Like, yeah, there's definitely. Maybe there's like a sky hook type system. Yeah. You yeah. It's yeah. like, Dark all right, So you're going to, yeah. Say, <laughs> so, you know, you throw the thing over the edge and the plane has a hook at the top and it's going to pull you. It's going to go as slow as possible. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Because he's at just a high enough altitude where it's like, I can't just jump with a parachute. Yeah. yeah. I will die. <laughs> um,
0: I have the idea. A title just came to mind, which is just stratosphere. Ooh. Um, Write it down. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so the do we kind of hint at the idea of a civil war while he's going up there while he's prepping mm-hmm. and then it breaks out during or is it something that's kind of completely blindsiding be, there him there could be
1: political protests and stuff going on things going on that yeah.
0: happen and he's he's still going up to test yeah. wherever this country is this has is. been happening yeah. yeah so the civil war has been going on for let's say like even 10 15 years mm-hmm. and then suddenly the catalyst happens mm. And now no one can go up to get him. What is depleting for him? I'm guessing it's going to be. Well, I would food. say yeah, basically food, right? That's yep. going to be the main thing. Mm-hmm. Food and water wouldn't deplete because he can figure that out from like the clouds oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, all condensation that stuff. And shit, yeah. Um. So it's basically just food being depleted. I want to bring in the honey. The honey has to show up. <laughs> <laughs> I just like the idea of the honey.
1: Um. Uh. You know, I, uh, one interesting thing I, I know about space, and I I don't know if it applies. At high altitudes as well, well, it might. But I know in space, your your sense of taste uh, is really, really dulled. Really? So, like, hot sauce is a big thing for them. Huh. That they put on a lot of stuff because like they can really taste it. Huh, interesting. Powerful stuff. I'm, I'm I'm wondering if we should move away to honey to like just the taste of something very strong. Yeah,
0: yeah, that'd be great. He could also somehow maybe like grow it with uh grow it with flowers or something like you know. <laughs> tries, tries to, like, grow a
1: pepper. Maybe he has. Maybe he has
0: a uh, a beehive up there with Ooh. him. If they can survive that, you yeah. know, altitude, whatever. Some type of special man-made made mm-hmm building or something where he can be a beekeeper <laughs> um oh the poor bees <laughs> why are we up here
1: um that's so, a lot that's a lot of work
0: and space to have an <laughs> apiary just just so he can have honey yeah um
1: he's gonna have a lot of flowers and shit too <laughs> this, is, this is actually gonna be a waste of resources dave
0: <laughs> okay i like this now let's 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 phase this <laughs> together as a full film how so he gets up there, the civil war has finally hit its catalyst as he's been up there maybe a couple months. Yeah, we've
1: we've gone from like protests and, and a lot of uh stuff happening in the streets to like the actual outbreak of, of
0: and, a full on war. And since he's still quote unquote on Earth, he has more access to kind of these issues and things mm-hmm. and um maybe that as he's like as all this stuff is unraveling for him he's now starting to questions like okay well when when can i come back and they're mm-hmm. like well you know they they're trying to like kind of jump a, uh dance around the question mm-hmm. uh you know like right now it, it we can't do it just because like uh it's restricted yeah. airspace we can't get someone to you
1: it's restricted airspace there's not a government really yeah uh there's, so there's no there's no money we don't have an economic system right now yeah oh, we're barely keeping the people fed just through like distribution centers uh, it's incredibly dangerous and we just do not have the facilities to send you.
0: I think at some point it should be so dangerous down I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit like Argo. Mm -hmm. Where, like, it's so dangerous on the streets that maybe the building where mission control or whatever it would be for this uh, is in is actually being, like, rioted. Yeah. And at that point, like, he loses all contact with them towards, like, the middle to end of the second act or something. Yeah,
1: because civilian government, you know, the the space agency would be a part of that. Yeah. It completely goes away. The military has no interest in running it.
0: Yeah. Maybe there's just one person that's actually, like hidden from the yeah. riots and he's still being contacted by yeah. them that doing could be, the
1: necessary calculations and sending them yeah. to him to keep everything running
0: from like the safety of like a, an outpost that no one knows about or something like mm-hmm. they're staying away from all the riots and stuff and it's Good. getting really dangerous down there mm-hmm. you know like the military has released tanks and soldiers and the army to try and stop these civilian yep. riots and things are being burned
1: uh, other countries won't let uh, aircraft into that space yeah you know, it's it's a no-go zone yeah i i like this this detail just popped into my head that like he can talk to his wife on the radio uh and he has observation equipment but it's there that's not in the same room so he can either talk to her or see her he can't do both at the same time Ooh,
0: okay i like that yeah yeah
1: so yeah, it's a very basic setup. He doesn't have like a huge Tom Cruise floating cuz he also
0: <laughs> cuz he also wasn't supposed to be up there that long.
1: Yeah. He was only supposed to be up there let's say like 3
0: months mm-hmm. if that. And then in in the in like uh after about two and a half months is when it happened. Yeah. he was preparing to be brought back down.
1: He, he, I like the notion that he's a maintenance guy. Yeah, like he's not even like an actual scientist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like manning the thing. Like he's, he's just, just there
0: to control the numbers and make sure that everything yeah. works properly.
1: Like he was, he was supposed to be there for a week. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Doing all these repairs and installing a new like unit.
0: Yeah, no, I like that a lot. Um, we're gonna send
1: up a crew. <laughs>
0: you're just there to make sure everything works by the time they get there. Yep. Um, so at, the that... IT guy. <laughs> <laughs> at that point, now that everything's being busted off, so the person he's being contacted by via radio to, like, help him there, mm-hmm. are we making that the wife, or is this someone from Mission Control who's kind of like, I need to make, this guy is still up there, and these riots are, like, destroying everything, yeah, different I need characters, to, yeah, different characters. so we should have three characters at least, mm-hmm. our main character, his wife, and then the, let's say, Mission Control person. Mm-hmm. Who
1: are we using? Um... So I'm trying to remember what your what your choices were right my, now. my Amelia Clark was one
0: Amelia Clark was the wife in Rizamed Riz okay I like Riz yeah I love Riz he's so good I want to see sound of metal I haven't watched that yet yeah, Me neither. um I like the two of the, I mean do we want to just bring in your one guy and then we can have the three
1: um or do we, could we want do that to... I'm trying to think of other people because
0: I'm trying to think of should we Base what country it is. Is it a current country? Is it a fake country? Does it matter? It probably doesn't. I matter. don't think it matters no. Just just civil war is breaking out, and we don't dis- we don't explain what country it is. Yeah. Um, so we can still have Amelia Clark be his wife. They're both British, so we can either let them keep their accents or whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. British is fine. Um, and then we need one more person to be the. I guess mission control person, mm-hmm. and uh, it should probably. I, I, it's not someone that's actually like in charge of mission control. Like it's not his main contact. Oh yeah, yeah. It's someone who happened to grab the radio before the riots started in the building, and like the <laughs> citizens were killing people. Yeah. So like, someone just happened to like, shit. somebody in calculation. Yeah, there, yeah. Huh? Like they, they realize, fuck, he's still up there. I have to make sure he has contact because he has no idea what's going on.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's at that point where, like, he's on the radio with them, and you hear in the background all the people busting down the doors and things like that mm-hmm. to get in. Yep. Um, oh, God, this is bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's anxiety-driven, and I yeah. love it. Uh, Naomi Harris? Ooh, I love Naomi Harris. Yep. I'm about it. So we're using Riz, Amelia, and Naomi Harris. Yep. Um, and all three Brits
1: uh this is our second british movie in a row (laughs) it is isn't it (laughs) it's just foreign enough (laughs) and naomi harris
0: yeah um director who'd you say again soderbergh you said Mm soderbergh and i said david o russell Mm -hmm. who directed all is lost i don't know because i feel like robert redford worked with someone kind of unknown
1: David O. Russell is American Hustle. A silver huge line douche. Wait, is he? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> he's very good. He's just, I think he's a nasty man.
0: <laughs> uh, J.C. Shandor. Oh, he. Well, he wrote Triple Frontier. Mm. Actually, that could kind of work. Did you ever see Triple Frontier? Uh, no. Triple? What's that? It's the Netflix movie with Ben Affleck, Oscar Isaac, Pedro Pascal, Charlie Hunnam.
1: I I feel like I have definitely seen a TikTok of this film where like the money is in the walls of yep. a house or yeah, something. Yeah,
0: it's very good. It was a really good film. Um Garrett Headland also. Oh. Uh He directed that as well. I actually say we could go with him. He also directed All Is Lost. He directed uh, a Most Violent Year. That I've seen. Yeah, with Oscar with, Isaac with as, with Oscar as well. Isaac. So he could actually be a good choice for this. Yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. I'm guessing it's Chandor. It might be Shandor. I'm not is sure. It, is it... How do you spell it? Uh, C-H-A-N-D-O-R. Yeah. And he is... Where are you from? Doesn't say. Yeah. Okay. Uh, director... J- J.C. C. Shandor. Superstar. <laughs> um, all right. What is our end? Well, uh, I mean, well,
1: he's got to get down. Right. <laughs> but how do we get him down? Um. I think... As, as do we end on a high note it's, or a low it's note? It's coming to a close, this this civil conflict, and he doesn't know who's going to win out. Uh, in desperation, he sabotages the system that is keeping the thing afloat uh, to see if he can kind of do like a controlled fall.
0: Ooh, okay.
1: Like, oh, like almost like poking a hole in the balloon. Yeah. And letting come out. Like far better than that. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But, but some yeah, yeah no a controlled like fall venting, makes like sense. venting gas to see if you could just make the thing collapse slowly kind yeah. of come to the to the horizon
0: mm-hmm. hmm and that works and hopefully
1: <laughs> not Hindenburging himself yeah
0: <laughs> oh the humanity
1: um okay so it, I wanted to just kind of fall into the town square too That's like, like the business, that would be actually a really square. good image. yeah
0: um you have it just kind of like crash. Not, not crash because it's not going
1: to come down as, super as a hard. new
0: flag goes up. Yeah, as a new flag in the town square goes up, this what, what should we even go? Station. It's not a space yeah. station. Platform. Platform falls to the ground and like right in front of it. <laughs> and he comes out. Now, do we end uh, on a high note or a low note? Because I have an image in my mind of as he lands and gets out. He's kind of being tackled by the rioters.
1: No, Nah, yeah, I think if the flag goes up, then things are have stabilized.
0: That's true. Yeah. That's true. So we just end it with him kind of. But yeah, like what? What is the end for him though? Like, does he just get out and that's it? Then we run cut to credits or? Well,
1: I guess uh, his <laughs> wife would be there, and like meeting the person he he's been talking to on the radio would be good.
0: Yeah. So we do something where like he's on the radio with them as he's coming down to. Mm-hmm. The, the ground it feels very much like um,
1: collapsing a statue <laughs> that I was kind of thinking
0: Captain America when in the in First Avenger when he's like flying the plane into oh, the, yeah, yeah. the ice he's talking to Peggy <laughs> yeah. so he thinks he might
1: die but he yeah. doesn't yeah it's kind of hard to crash something out a control yeah <laughs> <machine.
0: laughs> um yeah. Okay. I think we have something there. Um, basically, it's just a, a study of isolation and, and what happens to someone as they're yep. as they're helpless in a time of tragedy. Yeah, and much more tangibly able to
1: see what's, what's actually happening. happening. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because instead of being up in space where he can't see anything, there's no kind of connection. Yep. Besides just being able to see continents, he's just way too high. Yeah, he can <laughs> see. From where he is, he can see the city, and he can kind of see the the, the bombs, the fire, and all that stuff, Mm -hmm. and everything blowing up and all that. Oh, this could be interesting. So our movie is called Stratosphere, starring Riz Ahmed, Emilia Clarke, Naomi Harris, directed by J.C. Shandor.
1: and uh, J.C. Chavez? (laughs) uh, And I think that's what we got. (laughs) It sounds like it. Uh, All right, so, yeah, Stratosphere is a good name. (laughs) Yeah, I like it. Um yeah let's, i was trying to think of well did i know you liked the whole honey thing if that's if that's something he didn't have to way i'm trying to think like how we can throw that into the yeah i don't somehow. know if it's
0: gonna i don't know if it's gonna work but uh mm-hmm. it was just it was such a sad moment in that article yeah. all i want is honey just bring me a little bit of honey and yeah we got didn't. you oh we forgot the honey Poor
1: <laughs> Sergey. Yeah. yes <laughs> Well, if, you, if we want to end on kind of a laugh, that could kind of be like the last line of the movie. It's like, "Uh, you didn't happen to bring any honey or whatever honey it is?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that.
0: His wife has a little bottle. <laughs> yeah,
1: he's like so. He's so nuts from like the the random food that they do send up to him yeah. on this emergency balloon. It's just like. Like MREs, just yeah, yeah. <laughs> like peanut butter and chalky beef. <laughs> it's like, I need something fucking sweet. <laughs> Give me something with a taste, please. Yeah. Why, is, why am I thinking about honey all the time? <laughs> I love it. Awesome. It's a pretty good little movie. I like yeah.
0: it. I like it. I think it could be a really good study. It's very, it's a more, I would say it's kind of a more lighthearted version of our Collier brothers with isolation in terms mm-hmm. Um that one I can still friggin picture vividly that movie oh they died
1: (laughs) Um, we should go to the city soon and visit their park yes we Mm. need to
0: do our uh, our
1: what do you got uh, travel tour world tour (laughs) yeah
0: our travel tour of New York Uh, once we set up our Instagram we can take photos and stuff
1: for the gram (laughs) Uh, right, awesome you got anything else no, I think uh I think that's it. Just remember uh, as always to uh give us a like and subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you follow us wherever you get podcasts, we're on everything. I just had to explain to my dad how podcast apps work. <laughs> my dad, he really liked the last episode. So oh, did he? <laughs> yeah. That's that's his wheelhouse. He's like, "Oh, yeah, the machines don't work." <laughs> <laughs> there we go. All right, yeah. Uh what do you got? Sorry. Really?
0: Ah. <laughs> God damn it. Um <laughs> waiting Podcast <laughs> at gmail.com Podcast on twitter will probably be Podcast on instagram i should probably get that handle before we lose it uh i don't think we're gonna lose it but uh facebook do it today before they hear this <laughs> yeah, <us. laughs> yeah yeah uh you guys know where to find us thank you again uh we truly do uh appreciate all of our listeners and and everyone being able to get us to a thousand downloads on podbean um that that was a, a really great little little present to uh to come home to, um, as always, please like, share, subscribe. Like Rob said, if you have articles you'd like us to pitch, if you'd like to pitch your own article, send us audio clips. Do it on Twitter, do it in email, whatever you want to do. Send us clips of your pitches. We would love to do a listeners episode where we kind of pitch everyone else's movies based mailbag. on articles. Yeah, a mailbag episode would be awesome. Um, other than that, I think that's all I got. Mm.
1: Well, I've been Rob. I've been Nick. and That's what we got. <laughs> What Do You Got? is recorded live at the Cape Swoosh Studios in Bloomfield, New Jersey. Our theme song was written and performed by Trevor Campbell. Additional music is provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. And our wonderful logo was designed by Gabby Weiss. You can find her on Twitter at, at Gabby Weiss.